0: Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Lawns Across America. We are coming now into the month of May. That's right, almost to Derby Day, Cinco de Mayo. These are the times when everybody's lawn is finally waking up and everybody is starting to enjoy the mow. It's so funny as I look through our Facebook group and uh, I see folks, they're like, first mow of the year in Wisconsin. And I'm like, wow, so late. This is like last weekend. I'm like, man, you guys really are far behind in your weather this year. I I think a lot of y'all, you just literally are not going to have and have not had a spring. I'm sorry about that. It happens every couple, two, three years. That'll happen where the teasing just doesn't stop, the warm, cold. I was talking to uh, my friend Luke in northwest Indiana over by there, crown point, and uh, he was telling me they were 80 on Saturday, so all of Chicagoland. And I guess a lot of y'all up north got 80 degrees last Saturday. Then Sunday was like... 70 with some rain, and even today I think you're back down in the 40s, 50s, maybe some high 30s at night. What a tease. What a teasing time of year. But the good news is I can promise all of you, by the time we get to Derby Day and then Cinco de Mayo, I have to look it up. When is the Derby this year? I should know. I think it's this coming Saturday, which is what? Is that the first? It's always the first Saturday in May, and I think it is. Let's see. Kentucky Derby. I can't type and talk at the same time. Kentucky, oh, Saturday, May 7th. Oh, we have time. Oh, we have, we have so much time. I was afraid I was going to miss it um, for some things I got going on this weekend. So that's good. I, it shows you how behind I am. If I don't know when the Derby is, which that's my favorite Saturday of the year, every year is Derby Day. So good. I have plenty of time to make some content <laughs> content for that. But um, what I'm trying to tell you guys is Derby Day or Cinco de Mayo, which sometimes you're going to celebrate both of those for the, the days, that is actually – when your lawn will look good. I promise that it's like a stopping point. Like we're we're all done weather-wise after that. You hope. Now I was watching Millennial Farmer up there, uh, Zach way up there in Minnesota and doesn't look good for them this year. I talked to Anthony in our Fargo outpost and he is just starting to see some of his lawn. So a lot of updates to come for our friends up in the North, but wow, what a crazy year it's been. Even down in the South, you guys with like Bermuda and Georgia. It's been a little slower to wake up this year. Of course, we're going through dry spell in Florida that we're fighting with. Um, some parts of Texas I mentioned in my last video. Yeah, Texas is dry too. And somebody's like, "Bro, Texas is a big state, man." <laughs> some parts of Texas are dry, but not all. And it is true. It's a we don't realize how big Texas is. Texans know how big Texan Texas is. They'll tell you. <laughs> but uh, anyway, fun stuff. So kind of interesting to see the weather going on around the country. But for sure, we're all getting into that point now where we're getting to enjoy the mo. Now, I wanted to go ahead and give a quick tell a quick story here. I, I meant to tell this. The Freedom 500 was a couple weeks ago now. And for those of you that didn't see, I want to tell you a story. So I'm known uh, to be the grass police out there now, the lawn enforcement. In other words, what happens is whenever somebody, or I go to the races live now, and so I actually have a spot that I sit in uh, in turn four, and I and i when racers go into the grass, I run down to the fence and I yell at them and scream at them, act like I'm putting a hex on them, you know, tell them to get off my grass, you know. have a good time, and and a lot of folks at the Freedom Factory they appreciate that. We have a good time; it's fun banter. And by this last race, we had such a great time, but. With that, one of the first races, Heavy D, as he is known, uh, Dave Sparks, huge YouTuber, he actually ran into the grass. He was one of the first, I think it was the first live race. First Freedom 500 was the first live race we had there, and he was the first to kind of do some massive damage to the grass, which didn't end up even being that bad. It, like, repaired within, like, a few weeks. But he was the first one that ran in. He did that, and uh, being a little careless in his driving, which I'll talk about how much better the driving has gotten, For these races and for those of you that don't know I just started rambling into this I'm talking about Cletus McFarlane's Freedom Factory Cletus McFarlane his name is Garrett Mitchell he's a YouTuber here in Bradenton Uh, I was very fortunate to be able to do a collab with him a couple years ago where I put the infield into his racetrack he bought a racetrack here and now I still take care of that and so I fertilize it I take care of the weeds out there I do all the mowing and the edging inside the track and um With that, I'm known as the grass guy, right? And so I have a good time out there. And it's really fun for me. There's nothing better than getting that out there on a Saturday. It's, you know, it's 100,000 square feet and just mowing for hours on end. That, I mean, there's no enjoy the mow like that, honestly. But um, so back to this, that first Freedom 500, he brings in a lot of celebrity YouTubers. They do the race. It's awesome. They race Crown Vicks. It's really fun. It's what old school Saturday night racing used to be when I was a kid. Just dudes just banging and, and hanging. And it was great. So anyway, heavy deep Dave Sparks. He's the first to really do damage to the grass. A lot of the fans get on him, and uh, it gets to a point where I think it gets carried. Well, I know now it got carried away, and I say not like in a bad way, but to the point where people were going on his Instagram and leaving nasty messages. You killed the grass. You don't care. Blah blah. blah. And again, he was. He. It could be said that he was. A, he made a careless move to cause this. And at that. Po- and at that time, that's how I saw it. And I also left a nasty comment on his Instagram. Right? Oh my gosh, Al. You? Yeah. Um, yeah, I got carried away. I called him a dirty hillbilly and told him to go back to the discovery channel and stop ruining, <laughs> stop ruining my lawn. Um, I got carried away. I did. I got caught up in the emotion of the moment and I should have done that. So for all you haters out there that come after me, trust me, I it's karma. You, whatever you send my way, it's karma. Cause I send it out too. So anyway, but so, uh, with that though, he ended up blocking me on Instagram. And <laughs> now you have to understand this guy has millions of followers. It's not like he's like knows who I am or anything like that. He probably just, and he does run his own Instagram, but I'm sure he's just going through and being like, these people are getting carried away and just blocking people. Right. I I mean, I've done that too. When people leave comments, I'm like, you're over the top, bro. Stop. I'll just block him. Like, like, whatever, just move on. Doesn't even think twice about it. Well, he did that and that was it. So over the last, um, I need to look up the dates. This is, it's been over a year now, obviously. Yeah, it has been over a year because this is the next Freedom 500. So he was at another race. They did a, a fun thing where they decorated their car with grass for a different race, whatever. But I wasn't able to really do anything then and talk to him or anything. I, I, uh, I tweeted and things like that, but whatever. So it was another race. Well, this race, Freedom 500, I was like, man, we're gonna do something to make up with him, and I'm gonna get unblocked on Instagram. So for those of you that have watched any of my videos, you'll see I made a video talking about the Freedom 500 and taking care of it, and then I made a plea, Heavy D, unblock me, man. I'm so sorry, I got carried away. Well, you know, like unblock me, cause I I wanna I wanna be cool now. I wanna have a good time and and and, and anyway. So with that, Brett and I, we sat at the we went to the race. And we sit in turn four, and this time we went a little bit further than we normally do, and I'll tell you some things we're going to do in the future here. But we went further. I brought fake grass, believe it or not, AstroTurf, and we rolled that out on our on the stands for our feet and for our butts. So we're sitting on fake grass. We had our area. We had seats that had uh, law enforcement stickers on the back of them. We, had, uh, we wore our law enforcement T-shirts, but we cut the sleeves out. We wore tactical pants, and we wore our New Balance 608s. His were brand new. Brett's were brand new. Mine obviously are weathered and stained with humic 12. So we dressed like that for the race. We went in character. I drank a lot of bush lights, which is also a me in character. But I also took two sod pods, grass pl- plugs. And my my goal was to use those to get attention to heavy D. Somehow I was like, I got to get a sod pod to him. Got to do it. So ends up Brett finds a, a, a spot and he goes, hey, he's right down there by the by the track when they were doing opening ceremonies, or whatever. He goes, let's go. And this is on Brett's TikTok. If you look up Brett's Grascapades on TikTok, he also has that on his Instagram, but the TikTok got a lot of views. He put some funny music to it, like, um, like uh, I don't know, marriage music, or I'm in love music, or forgive me music. I don't know what kind of music it was. It was good. So it shows me walking up. I go to the fence. I see Heavy D. I scream for him. I show him my, my sod pod. He sees it and immediately dashes towards me. Now, again, at this point, he doesn't know. This is the lawn care nut that I blocked, and he doesn't have any idea. All he knows is... He is the guy that is known for destroying the grass. He knows that. And he sees some dude at the fence wanting to hand him a sod pod, some grass. So he's he's smart. He's gonna go along with it. Let's make some content. So he rushes up, he, and I throw it over the fence to him and he catches it. I'm like, I love you, man. You're the best. I love you, dude. Well, at some point during that, I think he did realize maybe. But the long and the short of it is he had a great race, all of that. The next and we and and he did. He's a hell of a driver, that guy. He can really drive. Obviously, he's he's a stunt driver. Uh, by trade, so he he did a good job, and I will say, let me say, these races have gotten better, the first few races were guys bumping and banging, I mean, Danny Duncan was there just wrecking people on purpose, and you had everything in between, right, but at the end of the day, I think they've realized over time that, listen, if we actually all try to race serious, we can make some really good racing here, I mean, it is, the racing out there is so exciting, because they have legit drivers uh, in there, I mean, I would say that most of these, some of these YouTubers are legit drivers for real, and then they got local guys, like Kevin from KSI, and, and, and then they have, they've even brought in pros, so Alex Bowman, I mean, like, serious professional, so it's like no joke, right, but even the YouTubers, they are such good drivers, they really are, so when guys aren't bumping and banging too much, and they're actually being serious about the race, it is I'm telling you, I just have never seen better live racing, and I've been to a ton of NASCAR events in Chicago, so I I, under, I I can appreciate what they do, and so that was really exciting, and Heavy D, what a great driver, man, he really did a good job, so either way, the next day, Diesel Dave, uh, who is his uh, partner there, I was actually, he's more accessible, so I'm reaching out to him, I'm like, bro, tell him to unblock me, tell him to unblock me, so he's like, oh, I will, so, 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 totally cool, man, and then we showed him the video, he unblocked me, we had a couple DMs, me and Heavy D, and I was like, bro, and at this point, he knew who I was or whatever. And I'm like, I'm so sorry I did this. He goes, no, no problem, man. We had fun, John. It was, it was good. So he he totally took it in stride, which was awesome for me. I got to apologize to him for me being a, a an ass. Um, and he was like, bro, you're cool. So <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a cool story. So I'm going to make that a tradition now. So a couple things. Um, what we're going to do, and we're working on how to do this. Just so you all know, my content's really changing over the next um, few weeks, hopefully. And I'm, you know, that's a risk that you take as a YouTuber, but I got to do something different. So, and you're going to see actually a video, hopefully in the next few days, that's a start of that or my first attempt at some of this new content. But, uh, the long and the short of that is that one of the things I want to do is we have this so much fun in turn four when we sit there and, and we hang out as the, like we ended up making friends with some guys sent behind us. I've now sent them t-shirts. They were, one guy was from Maine. You know, we made friends with people uh, all around us because once they figure out, oh, yeah, that's the guy that did the grass. I'm actually just so you guys know, people ask, do I ever get recognized? The answer is no, except at Cletus races, I get recognized. So I'm more well known as being his grass guy than I am as being the lawn care nut, which when you're me, who cares? Right. Reach is reach. It's just it is what it is. But when I do go there and people realize, oh, that's the grass guy. And then they see me having a few couple two tree bush lights, you know, and uh, and we're having a good time and, and it becomes a lot of fun. So what we want to do is expand that. And so locals who come, we'll figure out how to do it. I think it'd be cool if we had like two rows of all of us dressed in our law enforcement garb. And uh, so we'll figure out how we're going to make that work. We cut the sleeves out and stuff, so it's fun. Everybody cuts their sleeves out of all their shirts at that race. So you kind of fit in. But then um, we're going to maybe try to have some sort of something where uh, a couple two tree of y'all from around the country come in also and we do a fishing thing and we do a weekend and you get to go to the race and we give you the Woody's River Roo experience which if you don't know what that is just ask anybody that follows me on Instagram so yeah that's all some other stuff that I'm doing but I just can tell you that I have not had so much fun at a local event ever until I started going to these races and this last one was the best of all mainly because of the interaction we got to do with a giant YouTuber, Heavy D Sparks, but also because we just had a good time hanging out, and because the racing is good. So, hope you all enjoyed that story. And uh, with that, let's uh, let's jump into the podcast today. I think the first thing I want to talk about is Poa Annua, <laughs> or Poa Trivialis, because that's the other one. But we're in the Poa Panic stage right now, and we're going to continue through as people in Wisconsin and and North like that start coming out of dormancy. The Poa, the Poa. Uh, panic is going to continue. I saw a fella on on Facebook the other day, poor guy. I don't think his lawn was more than 2,000 square feet, which isn't that big. But he had gone through and he had just areas of just brown where he had spot sprayed glyphosate trying to kill out what he thought was POA annual. And it might have been. It might have been POA triv, POA annua POA, 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 POA. I don't freaking know, some sort of POA. But he killed it with glyphosate. Now his lawn is like brown. I mean, I'm like, oh, it just may, it pains me because just let me explain something to you about poa poa okay it's there's nothing wrong with getting down and digging things out with your hands let me just say that first and that's really the best thing to do if you think you have a poa problem because just because you see light green grass in a spot it doesn't mean it's poa (laughs) okay there are other things that can make the grass light green including that it it has a weaker root system in a spot and it's just slower to wake up or anyway, there can be a lot of things. So I just, the chemicals, whatever, digging it out is easier. But with that, let me tell you about a POA annua, POA trivialis strategy that I really wish more of you would employ because, well, let me just tell you the strategy. So the first thing is I talked about hand digging. That's going to be a part of the strategy. If you're right here in spring and you're seeing these light yellowish patches that you think might be poa annua or poa trivialis, don't grab the chemical first. I don't know why people grab chemicals first. I don't know if chemicals are sexy. Um, I don't know. There's there's definitely people here on the internet that they've used every chemical. They can tell you about every chemical like I said, they've actually used them. They'll tell you where they sprayed them. If it, were. I mean, there are some real people that are some real chemologists that have blanketed this earth with chemical, and they're here online. I try not to be that. I don't want you to reach for that first. I think in this case, springtime, what you do is take a bunch of pictures for sure and document. This is so important, but just dig the areas out. This guy that I'm showing here, I'm not going to show him, but I was talking about that. I saw on Facebook. It's a 2,000-square-foot area. If you dug out four patches every weekend, you'd probably have the whole thing done in like three weeks, right? I mean, it's just, it's not that difficult. So that's the first thing. That's really the strategy. If you have what you think is a pull-up problem, just dig it out. Just dig out the spots. Maybe you have to rent a sod cutter. If you have large areas, just cut them out. Just cut the stuff out. Either drop sod, which sod doesn't really blend too well like that. So you might have to see, but you get what I'm saying, right? Springtime, this is what you have to do. And And, 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 this goes away from crabgrass and everything else cuz if you think you have a poa problem forget about crabgrass right now and deal with the poa problem you can deal with crabgrass later so dig out the preemergent or dig, dig out the pre-emergent. <laughs> dig out the poa spots use some seed in put some seed in there put down some some covering for the seed peat moss or some you know, recycled newspaper stuff, Scott's Patchmaster, whatever, and seed those spots. And no, no pre-emergent. I'm taking care of POA right now. That's what this segment is. This segment is about POA. That's what we're focusing on. We're not focusing on crabgrass because we're going to seed the POA spots that we're going to dig out, so we're not going to use pre-emergent. If you want to use tenacity or mesotrione, yes, that is what you would use at this time. You would just blanket the entire lawn anyway because it'll do some post and some pre of other stuff and then you can do your seeding, and you can do that right over top of your seed spots, and in those areas, it'll help. That's what you would do, all right? That is the time to use tenacity and Trio. Not all these other times when you guys use it. That would be the time. Spring seeding of spots of poa that you dug out, and you would just go ahead and just blanket the whole lawn with tenacity. That's what I would do. That's number one. From there, it's patience. Feed, feed, feed. Let's get the lawn we have thicker. Let's now, we're probably going to get some crabgrass, whatever. We'll deal with weeds as they come in. Hopefully, the tenacity will have helped with some of that, but we're going to deal with that, knowing that our focus this year, because the POA bothers me so bad that I have to do this, this is my focus. So, I'm feeding the lawn during the summer. I'm, doing, I'm still always sticking to the basics, and by the way, with pretty much everything I tell you guys, you always stick with the basics also. It's not an either or that way, and the basics are watering, mowing, and fertilization. Those are the basics, Okay. Sure, we're going to leave the pre-emergent out because we're going to dig out these spots of poa and we're going to reseed those spots. We're going to cover them with peat moss or Scott's Patchmaster. We're going to water a lot and move forward, so no pre-emergent. But we are going to keep feeding the lawn because we're going to thicken up the grass that's there. Maybe you have some Kentucky bluegrass that'll you know spread a little bit for you. Uh, if you have turf-type tall fescue, maybe that will thicken up for you. That's the idea. Keep that healthy. We're going to continue keeping weeds out and we're going to keep things irrigated and we're going to get ourselves through the summer. Now, when we get to the fall, remember, poa strategy. Now we're going all pre-emergent. We're going to get our prodiamine down as we're moving out of the summer and into the fall. We're going to get prodiamine down and we're going to get that down as the soil temperatures fall to 70. One application to start. Bam. You'll see that that's going to change. You're not going to be able to fall seed now, but remember our problem is POA. So you're going to have to leave seeding aside too. stick into the basics, still watering, still mowing, still fertilizing, no seed. I'm going pre-emergent because I don't want that POA in there. Don't care if it was Poetriv or if it was POA annual. I don't care. I just hand dug stuff. So what? It, it's all gone now, right? Because I dug it all out. So the only thing that's left is some seeds in the ground. They'll germinate in the fall. So I'm going to put that pre-emergent down. Three months after that, if you still have soil temperatures that are above 50, another application. You could use dithiopyr or prodiamine in the fall time. Um, but because you're following this strategy, you'll have plenty of prodiamine left because prodiamine has a yearly max. But you're following this strategy, so you'll have plenty left. But you could use either one. And we're going to prevent as much as we can of that POA. The next spring, you're going to hope for the best, and you're going to see, did I rid myself of this POA? I'm still not putting pre-emergent down for crabgrass because I might have some areas to dig out. So I'm going to just wait another season, and I'm going to watch. Now, if you got hammered with crabgrass really, really bad, then you might switch the strategy up. Well, the POA wasn't as bad as I thought. The crabgrass is worse than I thought. These are I'm just going through different scenarios with you guys. This is how life works, by the way. You see, this is how you navigate your life. Right. You're like, OK, so I got a challenge here. I'm going to have to overcome this challenge and I move forward. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, this this challenge that I'm working on overcoming, ooh, something else got worse. Think of this like I, keep, I use a lot of fitness stuff now working out. Right. I, I recently started uh, working out and I developed a problem in my elbow bursitis. Right. And so I was like, man, this is terrible. I had a problem. I was fat and I was getting I was I, I was getting winded when I would try to do s- small things. I could feel myself like I could feel my physical, not fitness, just my physical overall being just sinking. I was like, wow, like my own mortality came to me. I was like, I got to get fit. So I started getting fit, right? Start feeling better. Like, all right, I'm making progress on this problem of me being a slob that's, you know, whatever, to let himself go, man, I feel so much better. But now all of a sudden a new problem has cropped up and it's this bursitis in my elbow, which is more annoying than it is hurtful. Uh, And I don't like the way it looks, (laughs) but so You see, but but what am I doing? So now I'm addressing the bursitis, and and I've changed my workouts a little bit, do a little bit more, a few more leg days, a lot more cardio, a little bit less things that are working on the elbow so I can get that cared for, and then I'm going to go back. Do you see how that works? And this is the lawn. But none of this is me expecting to be Arnold Schwarzenegger tomorrow. I know that it would take a long time to get there if that's what I ended up wanting to be. And so that's how the lawn is. So either way, we're coming into year two. We think, okay, I dug out all my POA last year. I put down pre-emergent in the fall, possibly even two apps. As the spring comes out, so now you're into 2023 now, I'm going to watch. And if I don't see as many light green spots, then I know that I did a good job. If I see more or many, I'm going to go right back to it. I'm going to hand dig. I'm going to start seeding again. I'm going to go fall pre-emergent. You just keep going until you eventually overcome that problem. And that will be a better way to do it because during all that time, you're going to learn your land. You're going to learn different things about that. Because remember, you're taking pictures all this time. Why is the POA only in this spot and not that spot? Blah, 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 right? There's so many things that you will learn during that, but you also don't have to just reach for the glyphosate right out the gate. Kind of rhymes. So I think that would be the strategy that I would undertake. And the other thing I want to say, too, with the POA is I actually don't know if it's as bad of a problem for everybody as they think. I think it's one of those things where a lot of y'all don't notice that you even have a POA problem until somebody in a Facebook group shows you that you do. I also think about this this way. If you think about somebody that your mate, like your girlfriend, your boyfriend, you don't notice their flaws. Even sometimes you like their flaws, right? But then somebody else that's too blunt or or doesn't care will point out their flaws and they'll send you like, oh yeah, God, I never noticed that, right? <laughs> I think that's that way about the lawn. I had somebody say that to me once. It was a few years ago. I had a an, uh, picture of my turf-type tall fescue lawn back in Indiana, and there was one light green spot that I never knew was there, and I put up a picture, and somebody made a comment. Yeah, look at the poa in your lawn there. Rah! You know, they had to try to tear me down, which is always fun, but – I never even noticed it until then. I was like, huh, but I already moved out, so it didn't matter. I was already in Florida. I was like, huh, I never even noticed that in there. That's crazy. Why? Because you just, you look at the good. I I tend to look at the good parts of my lawn and not the bad parts. And I I think you all should do that too. Why only look at the bad stuff? Oh, I have all this poa. Ah, yeah, but what about the other 80% of your lawn that looks freaking gorgeous? Like, focus on that, you know? So, all right, a little bit of ramble there today, but I just, I feel like I wanted to address that because I think people just... You get a little crazy over that sometimes, and I just wanna make sure that you're not just always reaching for the chemical first, that sometimes you get down and dig in your dirt. Since I've been kind of doing philosophical, philosophical (laughs) approaches to things, I wanted to talk about St. Augustine grass and disease, and I really want to talk about warm season grass in general. So just think about this as if I'm saying it to all warm season grass, even though it's really St. Augustine that I'm mostly talking about, and that is this. If you have warm season turf, I'm talking Zoysia, Bermuda, St. Augustine, to an extent Centipede and Bahia, even though, oh, I'm sorry, Bahia grass. Even though those are a little bit slower, they'll do the same thing. But for sure, the aggressive zoysia, the aggressive, super aggressive Bermuda, and super aggressive St. Augustine grass, I want you guys to have a lot more confidence in their ability to regenerate than you do. They, these grass types, they can take harm. They can take some burns. They can take some scalps. They can take some rips and some shreds and some scratches and some punches and come right back. And you may never even notice. Definitely your neighbors wouldn't. And that goes, when I talk about St. Augustine grass, we get a lot of fungus problems. We just do. It's just the nature. Just think about how St. Augustine grass grows. These stolons are long. They're aggressive. They're all pushing up grass blades. They're literally fighting each other. They are literally um, fighting each other for space. And they're all just up in each other's business, man. Like, there ain't no personal space if you're a St. Augustine grass stolen. Personal space does not exist. You will plow right through everybody. You will intertwine yourself around them, under them, over them, through them, across them, whatever you have to do to stake your claim. And you have to realize that all of the stolens are doing this. It's like a wild kingdom out there. You know what I'm saying? And so when you have that, you got a lot of stolons bumping up against each other and whacking each other and rubbing up and scratching and scraping. And when one of them gets diseased, they're going to pass it along. (laughs) I mean, it's like humans. And so with that, disease becomes a challenge. The other thing with all of that clumping and grouping in there is airflow is minimized. You know, there's a lot of things. Not to mention where St. Augustine grows typically is very hot and very humid, especially in Florida. Texas has humid areas. Texas has dry areas. Whole nother thing there. But it's that humidity coupled with the heat. And, uh, you know, that's that disease triangle, right? The disease spore has to be present. And then you have to have the right conditions. And then you have to have the host. Well, the host is there all the time. That's St. Augustine grass. And then, you know, you're going to get disease spores in the lawn from whatever. Birds bring it in. All kinds of things. And then the other thing is... Um, the conditions which is typically going to be high humidity for the most part. So when you get the disease, whether it's rhizoctonia large patch or gray leaf spot, people always want to reach for a fungicide and reach for a chemical. And and again, I've said this before, I'm probably to, uh, guilty for some of that because I've done so many different videos on fungicides and disease. But the, the the problem is people see that video that I do on fungicide and disease and they don't see the 10 others that I did on other practices or that I've mentioned integrated pest management or that I'm only, you know, they don't see all of that. In context, all they see is, there we go. There's the two chemicals I get. Boom, I'm going to spray them down. And they just do it all the time. And I see people, man, every time they see a brown spot and they're saying, Augustine grass, they are like, I-, I went to the store and I got me some Scott's disease X and I put that down. All right. You know, it's like, bro, I'm so sorry if, if I'm the one that, that, that got you to think that that's what you do, right? I'm trying to say, I'm going to let my St. Augustine grass just fight through it just keep fighting through the disease problem. And I have noticed that it actually does really, really well. Now, over the winter, we don't go dormant here. We did go dormant slightly this year, but, you know, up through Christmas or whatever, typically in Florida, uh, Rhizoctonia large patch has another resurgence during the winter. So as we come out of the summer and go into the winter uh, and conditions change again, you'll get some Rhizoctonia that'll come into the lawns. And the lawns that people are not feeding and not watering uh, during the winter that they just let go, what will happen is the disease spreads throughout because there's literally no defense. The grass is not being fed. People don't feed their lawns here in the winter. I don't know why. They just don't, um, even though we don't go dormant. But the grass just kind of fades. And the disease just, it just runs across the entire lawn. I've watched it in my neighbor's lawns. Whereas me, I keep mine super dark green all winter. I keep feeding it. Now, again, I tell you, I blast. I don't. I've done podcasts on that before. But I do put down more than most, but I'm still within University of Florida guidelines. But the long and the short of that is my lawn stays super green. I do get two or three disease spots, but you know what happens? The disease is confined. It can't move because of the fact that every time it tries to spread, the St. Augustine just pushes back in and regrows and regenerates, just pushes in new grass blades. So you kill two of ours, we grow three new ones. You kill three of ours, we grew four new ones. You killed five of ours, we grew six new ones. It's kind of how it works. And What will happen is you can see the Rhizoctonia gets like pissed off. It's like bright orange in my lawn in these little spots, but everything else is green, whereas everyone else's is all brown, and you can see the Rhizoctonia is just just working its way through, just methodically just whacking the lawns. And by the way, they're always very slow to wake up, those neighbors, not mine. So my belief is that you treat your St. Augustine, and again, going back to it, Zoysia, Bermuda, Bahia, Centipede, similar, but for sure those others. Bermuda and Zoysia, you treat those like an athlete. Build that athlete. If you have a very healthy athlete that has great systems, that's got great nutrition and health, that is in top peak performance, they're not going to succumb to sickness in the same way as someone that used to be like me, who was overweight, never exercised, and, and didn't eat right at all, drank too much. All of these things, right? These are all things that... Allowed me to to not be healthy and, and to get some sickness. And this doesn't happen as much with people that are healthy. And I look at my lawn the same way. I really do. I keep that thing fed and pumped. And, and a green lawn is a healthy lawn. I don't care. You tell me whatever you want to tell me. If your lawn is not green, it ain't healthy. Sorry. My lawn is very green. That means my lawn is very healthy. That's how I look at it. You can argue with me any way you want. And I've said that before. This is my philosophy. Have your own, bro. But if your lawn is green, then it is growing, then it is healthy, then it is vigorous. It will overcome disease. And so that's what I'm working on going at now into this season that we're in right now. Now, that might come back and bite me in the ass. And if it does, I will put that on the channel because I like showing that. Like, I like to show when I'm wrong. It's kind of cool, actually. It's really cool because then we all learn together. So I'm going with that this year. No fungicides at all. My Saint Augustine is showing a little bit of disease, not too bad right now. So we'll keep going. We'll see how that goes, but I just I encourage others of you to also take that on in that when you do see that you think you have disease, just sit back a minute. Just just let it let it run. You stick to the basics, proper watering, proper mowing. If you do think you have disease, go ahead and bag the clipping cuz it's smart. You know, keep it fertilized. If you do those things, I bet you'll see really good results with your lawn overall overcoming things. And then the last thing, it goes back to the flaws, like I mentioned in the Poa annua segment, is don't always look at the flaws in your lawn. Your neighbors don't. People around you don't. Your wife, your husband doesn't. They don't see the flaws like you do. They don't see things as deep. This goes back to looking at yourself in the mirror. When you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you see? Oh, I see all your flaws. I don't like this. I don't like that. Well, don't treat your lawn that way. You know, treat your lawn like your wife where you don't see her flaws. You see past her flaws and you see only the beauty. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. But I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to go after or, or look at your St. Augustine, your Bermuda, your Zoysia, your centipede, your Bahia, your Kentucky bluegrass, your turf-type tall fescue, your fine fescue, your perennial ryegrass. Yes, even your perennial ryegrass. I, I, I encourage you to look past the floss and look at the beauty So another concept I wanted to cover now that we're coming into spring, which most of y'all across the north, you're not really getting a spring. You're gonna be right into summer, but what's gonna happen is you're starting to get a big blast of weeds growing in your lawn. And for sure you guys in the south, same thing. And one of the questions that's coming in a lot that I'm seeing is people are showing pictures of their lawn and they're saying, Look, I got all these weeds and I got some grass here and You know, should I do one thing first or the other thing first? You know, what is the strategy? And again, this is coming into things a little bit later. It's a lot easier when I'm talking to folks and they're coming into the strategy here and it's like early March. I'm like, well, fine, let's just get down pre-emergent first. Let's work on some fertilizer. We don't have to deal with weeds, right? So you can singularly focus. But when you get to this time of year, it seems like there's a lot of things and people feel overwhelmed. And so what I wanted to kind of do is kind of level set a little bit and explain how my strategies work and why they work the way they do. And the first thing is those strategies are always based on sticking to the fundamentals and so the fundamentals being mowing watering and fertilizing mowing follow the one-third rule don't cut things off at the knees watering it requires a lot of water to keep a lawn healthy it requires a lot of water to keep all living things healthy and then fertilizing got to keep that thing fed so mowing watering and fertilizing always stick to those basics because What those basics are going to do is thicken up the grass you have even if you think the grass you have is garbage i don't like it it's thin it's unhealthy it's sick i don't it doesn't matter following those basics are going to make it better they're going to make it vigorous they're going to make it thicker and that actually goes a long way into helping to keep out weeds literally if you just think about it if there's grass growing in an area it makes it harder for weeds to grow there where if you have a bare spot it makes it easier for weeds to come in and in fact The soil wants some sort of living root there. So sometimes when you have weeds, it's actually showing you that, hey, there's something going on here. But the long and the short of that is if you stick with those basics, that's going to go the longest way to helping you. And then you come in on top and you do spray weeds. Now, we're at that point where most of you up north can still put down a pre-emergent. So, I would still say that's a part of the process. If you have my app, it'll tell you put down your pre-emergent. So, that'll stop crabgrass. But I'm mainly talking about the weeds that y'all are seeing. You're getting a blast of dandelions now. You're seeing maybe some clover. A lot of people are seeing him bit. Well, that's a whole other thing that's going to die anyway. But the long and the short of that is, so while you're sticking to those basics, mowing, watering, fertilizing, sure, you're going to go out, you're going to get your hand can, you're going to mix up some weed control, or maybe you're going to buy some ready-to-use, which is just some stuff that's already a pre-mixed gallon, and you're going to go out and you're going to spray weeds. Those things do not interfere with one another. They actually help each other. So as the grass is thickening and you're killing weeds, the grass is continuing to thick, the weeds are continuing to subside, and the lawn is looking better. That's kind of the general way that the process goes, and when I say it that way, hopefully— it doesn't seem as overwhelming to you. I think the other thing is, is people think they have to do everything in one day. One of the, the things we have with the app, which I don't like and we need to work on is, you know, when you first sign up, it's like all, it all tells you all these things right away. Put down RGS, put down Humic 12, put down Fertilizer, put down preemer It's all, and it's a lot. Those of you that have been on my products for a long time or been with my programs for a long time, you understand you don't do all those on the same day. And we're working to, to try to smooth that out or somehow, but with four biostimulants, it's just a lot. So anyway, we're, we're simplifying things the best we can. So I think some of it is me too, just in the way that we just can't code things a certain way yet, that that makes things seem overwhelming. So I wanted to just kind of address that and say, Think about those basics, always have the fundamentals going, and then work on the other things as you see fit. By the way, if you don't want to kill weeds, if you just want to let the weeds go in the lawn, it's okay. You don't have to do that. If, you, if you're like, man, look, I'm having a challenge just keeping up with the fertilizing, watering, and mowing, well, then master those first. Let the weeds go. The weeds have been there before. They're going to be there again don't don't deal with those. Now, pre-emergent, I do recommend because of the crabgrass. But if you if dandelions are going to go away, they're going to turn into white puff balls. They're going to all seed away and and you won't really see them after like June. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with living with them. And the next year when things get a little better for you you get a little bit more experience under your belt you get some more confidence and you're ready to start spraying weeds then you can go after the weeds but the good news is if you had a full year of fundamentals of mowing watering and fertilizing i can tell you that your lawn overall is going to be so much healthier it's going to look so much better and you are going to have reduced weeds because it got thicker. so i just wanted to kind of address that with you guys i don't want you to feel overwhelmed i'd never want that to happen i want Uh, Lawn care to be a joyful thing I want it to be relaxing I want it to be rewarding But I understand in the beginning Sometimes it can feel a little bit overwhelming All right, this next segment is going to be fun. I actually had a fellow YouTuber, fellow influencer, Kyle, from Lake House Lawns come in town. This has been a few weeks ago now, and uh, hang out with me and Brett for a day. We went out and went fishing, had a good time there, and uh, while he was here, I had him come on the podcast because I'm always interested in hearing about, you know, folks, and what do you do, and what makes you tick, and where do you come from, and all that. And, man, I tell you what, Kyle is, well, he's a salt-of-the-earth Chicagoan. If, If I was to tell you why I love Chicago people... This dude is it, man. Just down to earth, super good people, family man. Um, just you'll see. When you when you hear uh, the way he talks about some of the way he approaches things and philosophy and his job, I think it'll be I think it'll be something that you guys will get a lot from. So with that, let's get into my interview that I had with Kyle from Lake House Lawns. I think we're good.
1: I saw there's an ace right down the road. I was, I thought that was yeah. like a Midwest thing. I didn't realize
0: that's a No, it's everywhere. Yeah. Do you not get out of the Midwest very often? Not often, All right, so let's talk about that. So I have Kyle Coburn here, and Kyle is with Lakehouse Lawn Care, Lakehouse Lawns on YouTube. Tell us about Lakehouse Lawn Care, just real quick, and then we're going to get into some other stuff.
1: Well, I try to put a video out every couple weeks. I'm not a lawn care specialist by any means, but I enjoy making content. It's basically, my channel is all the stuff I wish I had known when I first started in the lawn. So it's kind of aimed toward the amateurs going out in the weekend who... Don't necessarily put tons of time into it, but just ways that people can save time, save money, and just figure out the little things I wish I had known.
0: So how long have you owned? Is this your first lawn that you have? Or it is, yes. How we long lived have in you
1: a condo it? for five or six years in Chicago, and then we started a family, moved out to the suburbs. And yeah, it's been eight or nine years I've been working on my lawn, which started off pretty rough, but now I got it pretty good.
0: So you started in downtown. Yes. Or was, you grew up, I can tell by your accent, you grew up in Chicago Overbiter. Overbiter. So was downtown like your after college, like all the college kids want to have their downtown lifestyle? It was, yeah. So we had like yeah. five
1: or six years. We lived in Wrigleyville. Yeah, Shocking, of course, right? right? For the kids yeah. out of college. So yeah. went to Southern Illinois University out of high school, uh, played football there. Had a great time. Met my wife there. We both moved up to Chicago together, and the rest is history.
0: Nice. And so you moved out to the suburbs, and what suburb did you move we to? We did. We live in Arlington Heights. Arlington Heights? Arlington over, right? Heights. And That's why'd you right. choose Arlington Heights?
1: It's just a cool area. Like, we kind of mm-hmm. looked all over the place. I teach up in Glencoe on the North Shore, which is like 15 miles oh, yeah. directly north of the city on Lake Michigan. Yep. Not exactly close to where I live, but... Real estate there is unbelievably expensive. I don't know anybody that can afford Glencoe, so that's a nice
0: area to be in. So,
1: yeah, my wife was working in that area, so we kind of just – and we found this lake. It's like a man-made lake that we live on, so it feels like a little slice of Wisconsin or like a Michigan lake house, but it's five miles from O'Hare Airport, so it's right in the middle of everything. So it's pretty
0: cool. Yeah, that's a great spot. And, you know, the way you film it, it also looks and feels like that, too. It looks and feels like you're way out in the country somewhere. Yeah, that's
1: what I kind of – I got to try to do that. You know, it's not the biggest lake, so I try to get the shots that make it – You know. Yeah. A little more grand than it is sometimes. But we have a great time on it. It's a lot of fun.
0: I mean, you have a beautiful lawn. Obviously, content is top-notch, high quality. Thank you. And I want people to go watch it. But this part of the content, I really want to talk more about you. Because it's kind of interesting. I have to be honest with you. This is a small community, Lawn Care. And so for somebody to not only be a part of the community and be involved in the community, then decide to start making content, I'm always curious. So, all right, that's cool. Let me find out what makes you tick. Because obviously, this is what I do, too. Sure. So so you said that you teach. So let's start there. What do you teach? I do. I teach physical education and health. Okay, so, I would have never guessed.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> Try to practice. What it's I a preach. podcast.
0: For those of you that can't tell, bro is stacked. Okay, so
1: <laughs> he's giving me too much credit. I appreciate that though. So yeah, um, I teach kids how to be physically fit, and my health class is like it's so much fun teaching that every day. It's just again, it's kind of like my YouTube channel related to lawn care. It's it's like if I was in seventh grade, what do I wish I had known? And I, every day at the beginning of class, I say, or every quarter, I say, this is going to be the best class you're going to take because it's the one class where you get to learn about yourself. And I'm going to teach you all this stuff I wish I had known about the way things are going to go and what you can do to stay healthy physically, mentally, just enjoy your life and reach your goals. And that's what I try to teach kids to
0: do. And so you're doing – so this is not just, hey, let's come out, let's run laps, let's, right. let's well, jump that's, rope. that's
1: the PE part. it's That's the physical part. But then I also have a classroom health class that I teach where okay. I'm teaching about – mental health how to stay how to stay mentally well how to manage stress how to eat a well balanced diet get enough sleep all the things that make people tick and i have them set goals for themselves and i talk about some of my goals i've had related to youtube like i my goal originally was to be able to create content like that's mm-hmm. that was my goal setting as far as a teacher you have a meeting every couple of years you got to do some goal setting my goal setting was to learn how to make video content so i started practicing with my YouTube channel related to lawn care. My first videos are so terrible. Looking (laughs) back at them now, it's like embarrassing to look at them, but anything you do, that's kind of how it goes. You just learn a little bit as you go and get a little bit better
0: along the way. So you're just looking for a new experience, a new challenge. Yeah. Uh, Cause you're a teacher obviously. And that's what we really are on YouTube. All of it. I tell people that too. I tell them, I'm an eighth grade teacher. I teach the same subject every year. Yeah. I start to make it fresh. Right. But so now what you're doing is you're taking and teaching a really different subject, something you learned on your own. Totally. And you're teaching it now. So is this just like a new challenge for you? Basically
1: to- it's, I use the same principles I use when I teach kids. Like you have to you have to speak in a way to where the people who know nothing about it are going to get something out of it and they're going to understand, but the people who have a pretty good knowledge aren't going to be bored out of their mind and they also mm-hmm. get something from it too. So it's kind of balancing that and making sure that it's engaging and it's entertaining because people, you could put out an article and have somebody read it, but they would rather see somebody who's entertaining, mm-hmm. give the information to them and see something that's intriguing and something that's exciting. So yeah. that's kind of how I try to run my channel.
0: I like that. Do your uh, students know about your channel?
1: They do. They, what do they think? They think it's hilarious because they'll be like, oh, you make, what kind of videos do you make? I'm like, I make lawn care videos. Like, what? Yeah, they, they, they all get have, it, right? They all have people who do all that for them at their houses. Right. So they'll be like, all right, let me look up your channel. Like, he's got 11,000 subs. He's got a video with 1.2 million views. Like, what the? They, so you get cred, like, automatically. Yes. yes. You,
0: should, <laughs> you should wear a, a, t- a shirt with, a like, a blue check mark verified. Right? Exactly. <laughs> See what they <laughs> yes, do. Yes,
1: they think that's pretty cool. Do, like, right? I do, not I don't talk myself up to them, but they'll, they'll look it up and then they're like, Oh my God, he actually has some people who are
0: interested in what he's talking about. Well, that's so. kind of a way of connecting, right? It and is. Then, and I always, so I, I do that too. I'll throw that kind of stuff out because it's a way of telling folks, look, we can connect. You just have to understand where we're connected at. Yeah. And look, I did something that you actually have respect for. Totally.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's pretty cool. So Thank you. have you, uh, got plans like what are your future plans like where are you going to go with this thing now because you're showing growth so it's like you said you're you're seeing now that you can have some success you're seeing what it can do you get yeah. a taste of that you're getting some some tool companies reaching out and such right. as we talked about which is right. awesome thank you so where are you gonna go
1: honestly like I don't have a grand scheme plan of where I'm trying to get to with it like every week when I go make a video like I was telling Brett a little bit ago I just go out and I think if I was somebody in my area at that time of year, what would I be looking to do? And what can I do to help people out with that process to save time and save money and know exactly what they should be doing at that time? Mm -hmm. So my content's not always perfect for everybody, like anybody, like there's going to be people asking questions from the South or from a different part of the country where what I'm talking about maybe doesn't apply to them. But just generally, what can I do to help people out and show them what I'm doing? And then just showing off the results I get. I think that's the best thing you can do as a YouTuber is just be like, I can talk all day, but here's the end product. So when you can show them the end product that you get and what you do to get there, it's, it's a recipe for success. It's as
0: real as it gets. It's what really makes YouTube so different from every other content. Yeah, Like I watch a lot of HGTV stuff and was inspired by that when I was younger, but you know, it's all scripted. Yeah. Whereas there's something about the selfie stick and I don't know what you, you should probably shoot with like a really big dslr and all that don't well you?
1: i've got like a canon m50 so i'm on the is that big, the a good one I it's don't know. all right it's, it? it's i really right. don't it's, it's not like a real expensive camera and i usually shoot in a tripod i just set it up so oh, you do? I, I don't shoot handheld a whole lot okay but when i do like I, i'll usually just use my phone for that which yeah. you get crappy audio from that but whatever People appreciate say, that sometimes.
0: That's exactly what I was getting at. There's yeah. something about people appreciating. That's that's a dude in his yard, and they know that you edited it. They know you picked that tripod up and moved it to the new angle. Yeah. There's a certain amount of our audience that they appreciate that sure. effort, and they'll acknowledge that. And that's those are cool. Those, those are good to Absolutely. see.
1: Absolutely. Like, I've shot national tv commercials before because i work as a model and an actor i don't know if i've told you
0: that yeah before, let's but, uh, let's talk a little bit about that too, okay all right? so
1: like i was in a national tv commercial for sears it was like a labor day mattress sale they had well
0: you did so good for them they're out of business right now. exactly Great that's job, what i
1: said so they actually i never <laughs> ended up getting paid for that because they went bankrupt so this like this my best job i had as a model or actor or whatever and i'm excited about it and it's playing nationally people are calling me and texting me i just saw some guy on tv that looks just like you i was like that that was me so never ended up getting paid by that. But just back to your point, the production, like there's so many people involved in this and there's a professional lights and cameras and everything is mm-hmm. scripted and you'd shoot all day for a 15 second spot. So it's like to see that side of things. And then I think people appreciate all the work that goes into what we do because we're the producer, we're the director, we're all the writer, it. we're the on-screen talent. Like it's, there's a lot of work that goes into all of this, which a lot of people... Maybe you don't realize to make a five-minute video takes you six or seven, 10, 20 hours, depending on how much effort you're going to put into it. Well,
0: and the higher quality that you do, I understand what has to—that's why I don't have that. I understand what goes into yours. And that's, so that goes back to why I wonder, you're you're doing all—you're making all that effort. You're putting in a lot of literal work to make those videos. So that's why I always wonder— what would make someone do that? What would motivate you to that? So I understand you're a teacher. I get it. I, I see more, though. I, th- I see that you want to actually help people in general, and you've seen that lawn care can actually improve. You talked about mental health. I think it can give you confidence Absolutely. that you maybe never had. What are yeah. some other things that you see lawn care does that cross over that just way? It's the
1: physical activity you get, right? And just the satisfaction you get at the end of the day, sitting down after I've done all this work and I'm with my family and the kids are playing in the backyard and just looking around at everything. It's like, it's what I always wished I had when I was a kid. And to see that kind of come to fruition later on in life, it's pretty cool because I'm somebody land. who, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm somebody who, if I'm going to focus on something or whatever it is I'm focused on at that time, I'm going to try to be the absolute best I can. Like I don't go halfway on anything. So if I set a goal, I'm going to do my best to get there and sometimes even exceed hopefully what my goal was originally. And that's kind of what's happened with my channel. I never really had this, oh, I want to become a lawn care YouTuber and I want people to watch my videos. I want this many subscribers, whatever. But every week I'm just learning new things and trying to make my videos better and better and see where it goes. That's awesome. I Thank love seeing you. that. Now
0: I want to talk a little bit more about the modeling thing because that's cool because I can see that. It's interesting. You
1: know? It's something that my students see that too and they always have tons of questions. And that's another thing is I teach about like body image and eating disorders and I relate that to um, the media and just the mm. messages kids get from the media and I'll show different advertisements and be like, "What do you? what's the message being given here? And I show a couple and then the third one I'm in and they're like, is that you in this advertisement? So just showing them like... People get this perception the way they should feel about themselves based off standards from the media and just and then I'll show them the behind the scenes. I'm like, all this stuff is fake. Like it's not even a real house. We're shooting yeah. in. there's lights like well, and the lighting itself can really accentuate a you know. camera that costs one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And yeah. So
0: what kind of stuff do you mostly do? So
1: basically anything that shoots around Chicago or the Wisconsin area. So like I originally started with jockey. I was an underwear model for jockey. So if you you bought a pair of jockey underwear, it's usually cut down from like the neck down. Uh I was the guy on the packaging for jockey. So I did that in my 20s. And then it was like the day I hit 30, it's been all dadvertising. So like everything I do now, I play the dad. So like sense. Kohler, the design company Kohler, they make faucets and toilets and all that stuff. I was on the cover of their design catalog last year. So um, that, like Kohl's, Kmart when that used to be around, Meyer. I actually got to shoot with my whole family for Meyer, which is nice. At yeah. the beginning of the pandemic, they couldn't mix families together anymore. So oh, they were like, so Would they... your whole family possibly want to shoot? So my son was getting cut a, a royalty check at the age of two years old. So
0: <laughs> So are you doing like their uh their Inserts that they're sending in newspapers. You're doing yeah. the digital. You're doing the all, all of the of above. So they have a whole campaign, and they'll just shoot you and all these different things, and they'll just yes. digitize you or yep. put you in the
1: exactly. I shot for Lands End recently. They're in uh, Dodgeville, Wisconsin, so I went and shot for Lands End for their catalog, and um, we shot in Madison a couple of times. So yeah, just basically anything that shoots around the Chicagoland area. My agency in Chicago is like one of the best, so they book mm-hmm. good jobs, and my agent will contact me and say, Hey, are you available on this day and Try to make myself available as much as possible.
0: How busy are you?
1: Well, I usually, I would say one or two jobs a month I have. Like it's not something I ever try to pursue full time because as a teacher during the school year, I don't get that many days off. Right. Summertime is great because I can work as much as I want to, but there's not always as many jobs. It's usually a fall or spring type of
0: thing. hmm that is a, such an interesting thing. So have you thought about trying to increase your, I get. let me ask this. Do you see a lot of fit fluencers, influencers, Instagram people coming across into what you do now? Because you do this a while, a while right? Yeah. So I are have, you I've seeing done this a, for
1: like 15 years now.
0: Right. So it's changed. I'm going to assume that this has changed over time. Is that true? It has, definitely. In what ways has for it sure? changed? Well,
1: like you said, there's so many people who can, they can be a model and just they're modeling things on their own channel or their own Instagram or whatever. What I do, like, basically I have to keep the same size. As long as my body stays the same size, companies will want me to be in their catalog, not necessarily because of how great my hair looks or because of whatever, but it's just the way the clothes look on me. So ah. while you might think somebody who's like this big bulky bod- bodybuilder or whatever, they may book a job, it's realistically, most of the companies, if it's a fashion company, they just wanna see somebody who That's meets normal. certain specs. Mm-hmm who the clothes lay well on them and look good on them.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, there's certain brands that are skinny brands that I know I can't wear or that are too tall for me or whatever. huh? So you just know what brands work for you, and you just kind of keep yourself in in their wheelhouse?
1: they'll they'll send out samples, and then you put the samples on, you take pictures at your own house, and then if they like the way they look, they'll book you for the job. So it it used to be you had to go into auditions all the time, but now it's kind of nice because a lot of what you do is either a self-tape, which YouTube has helped with that as well, or it's just trying things on at home.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Have you run into any crazy fitness influencers or anything like that? Not, not really. fitness influencers, but just any crazy wild, ver- you know, uh, coming in trying to.
1: Not really. One guy I worked with recently in the last couple of years is uh, he was on The Bachelor. So he was like, he was on The Bachelor. <laughs> he, he met his fiance on Bachelor in Paradise. His name's Kenny. He's from Chicago. So okay. just, I don't know, all the time you. You're working jobs, and you'll see, like I worked with Pamela Anderson and Dennis Rodman one time. Really? Yeah, so she had a fashion line, and they did. It was in Hammond, Indiana, at the Horseshoe Casino. And hey, they had like Hammond, this Indiana, over the region. Shout yeah. out to the region. <laughs> yeah, so she had this runway show at the Horseshoe at the venue, so there's all mm-hmm. these tables, like blackjack tables and everything set up, and Dennis Rodman's the MC of this big event they hosted on a weekend just as like a introduction to her clothing line. So she chose me as one of her models for that show. So that was like, it you never know what you're going to get. You that know, is, cool. I could be working with VTech toys and working with a two-year-old kid or doing that. Or it could be, I'm in a Speedo on stage with Pamela Anderson. There so you, you go. really Back never and forth. know what you're going to get. You
0: guys, maybe do some grilling on the weekends. <laughs> exactly. You do have that whole, what'd you call it? Dadvertising?
1: Dadvertising. Yeah, I, I coined that term myself. Yeah, My I, I like that one, one Thank man. you. Appreciate that. So a
0: couple more things, because you are very well connected in Chicago, I'm finding. So Tell me some famous people in Chicago that you know, because I—you already said that your uncle is Jobo. Yes, so my uncle. <laughs> what is he doing now? Well, he, so for people that don't know, this dude is like the voice of of Chicago radio to so many people that lived there. I lived in Chicagoland from ninety seven to two thousand twelve, and he was in the earlier parts of that. So, tell me about. Who your uncle is. So yeah.
1: So my uncle is Jobo from Eddie and Jobo on B96 in Chicago. And anybody basically from the age of like 20 to 60, if you say, Hey, do you know who Eddie and Jobo are? They're like, yeah, I used to listen to them all the time. That's what everybody always says. So Jobo is my dad's brother. So he's my uncle. He doesn't have any kids of his own. So my sister and I have always been like his closest family. So Thanksgiving is always at uncle Jobo's house. Wow. And Yeah. So he, Growing up, like, he would take us to the B-bash, they would call it, which is, oh, like, yeah. the, the concert every summer. So we'd be backstage with all the A-list celebrities, like, Britney Spears. His little and, kids. Yeah, and exactly. Awesome. Like, he was amazing. So, and we didn't get them, the radio stations. So for me, I just saw him as my uncle because we lived, like, an hour and a half away from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he also has a house there. That's where he's retired now. So, I just see that part of him and he'd be like, hey, do you guys want to come into the B-Bash? And I'm thinking I'm in the nosebleeds. And realistically, I'm backstage with Rihanna and Britney Spears and all. It was crazy.
0: That is awesome. So he's retired. Does he do
1: anything anymore? He, he, just does, he does some voice work. Yeah, and bet. they also did the United Auto Insurance commercials. Oh, I yeah. Know. I don't know if he's you remember those. So, he stayed those. with them all along. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: United Auto Insurance. Yep. Come on, man. Exactly. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Who else? You know any other famous people in Chicago?
1: <sighs> well, Let's see. I worked with Common, if you know who the rapper Common is. I worked in events. Yeah, he's a he's a rapper from Chicago. Um, Saw Kanye West at a couple events. Yeah, that's Chicago guy. Yeah, exactly. So just the modeling scene. Like I'll I'll be working at Nordstrom or something, or I'll be working wherever a Cartier event, and that's where I saw Common and Kanye West and in the same room interacting with those guys and sad same way I feel right now being with Alan Hayne
0: you know oh, you never geez. know who you're going to be with all or right. what celebrities you're going to meet <laughs> all right well I'm look, we're, we're going to end it on that <laughs> <laughs> Kyle it's been fun thanks for letting me dig into your life hey, a little bit my you pleasure are, thanks for having you me. are such an interesting dude so I mean seriously <laughs> I just love meeting people and and just seeing where they come from and what they do and you've done some really cool stuff well and thank
1: you I appreciate it Life's, life stuff. is your oyster I do How about that Do what you want to do and set some goals and see where life takes you. And it's taken me here today in Florida. There you go.
0: you got a great outlook. Go ahead and give these guys a final little pitch where they can find you, all that kind of stuff.
1: So my channel is called Lake House Lawn Care on YouTube. I'm also on Instagram. And, yeah, I try to put out videos every couple weeks, just basic lawn care things. Um, I real mow my backyard, so I keep my backyard like a fairway, about a half inch. And I also have the front yard, which is more of a traditional two to three inch standard cool season grass. So yeah. I try to have a fun channel that people enjoy and I have a lot of fun. With it.
0: Awesome. Thanks, man. Good talking. Thanks, you. Alan. All right. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of lawns across America. I hope wherever you are, you get to get out this week and enjoy some weeknight lawn work. Enjoy the mow. Get out there in the lawn. Get a little something going. And, you know, I've heard about some people talking about this uh, no mow may or something Let your lawn grow long. I don't know anything about that. I actually think we should do the opposite of that and we should do mow more May. We should go and mow more in May. This is going to be healthier for our lawns, but it's also going to be healthier for you. I don't know if you know, but mowing burns a lot of calories. And so the more you mow, the healthier your lawn and you will grow. So let's do May for mow more May. And if people want to mow less in May and let things grow out with the bees, they can sit up on the porch and plant flowers and bring us iced tea while we're mowing in the heat. With that, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And again, I hope you get to enjoy the mo, Enjoy some weeknight lawn work. We'll see you in the morning.